Welcome to The Coaching Question. This is a podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, how and when to use it, and really, what is it all about? Join me, Sarah Turner, and my colleague, Gregor Finley, two executive coaches for an honest conversation. And in today's conversation, we are having a bit of a special one-off episode exploring how we end coaching engagements in the best way for all parties. Now, Gregor, just give us a bit of an intro as to why we're doing a special one-off episode on this topic. Yes, to tie up with uh, an article being published in Coaching at Work. And what happened was my professional body, Apex, was running a series of uh, CPD events. And one of them was, how do we end coaching engagements well? Mm. And what everybody realized was, it's generally not covered in much of the training. Mm-hmm. So there was no really recognized best practice. It's not covered in a competency framework, really. Mm-hmm. So there was a really good exploration. The reason we did the article was to really engage with the coaching community to, to start maybe for people to go on to do further research, maybe some master's topics, master's mm. research projects could be on this. So maybe establish some better practice. But mm. I just thought it would be a nice thing to highlight the article and just for us to touch base with people in terms of it's an important part of, of coaching. So um, maybe we could start with, Sarah, what do you think is important for a good ending? Well, the thought that comes to mind as we talk about this is, you know, we we spend a lot of time and there's a lot of talk out there and a lot of articles and research around contracting. You know, the importance of of setting up the coaching relationship. Um, and often when I when I get involved in those conversations, I'm very much starting with the end in mind because it's front of mind for me to create a really clear container around the work that we're doing so that we know exactly what our goals are, how many sessions we're going to work with, how we're going to do this work, how we're going to track our progress so that it it is clear when we are ready to finish. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that thing is start with the end in mind. Mm. Um, and I think when it comes to commissioning coaching, you know, there, there may be a you want to support an individual through a transition. There may be a particular challenging behavioural aspect to that individual. So you know the change that you want to see either in the individual or the system or both. So there's some, something about measuring that, but often it's not talked about how will what's the process of ending. Mm. Now, will you have a three-way at the end? Mm. Is it just going to be a two-way? What's the information that's going to be collected at that three-way or two-way? And how does it go back into the system? So mm. I'm thinking if I'm in HR and I want to continue justifying the investment in coaching, I mm. want to make sure I'm capturing business benefits alongside any private personal benefits. And I think there's I think there's a couple of ways of thinking about this because when we were talking about this as we were preparing for this episode is you know best practice is to have that three way at the start of the coaching engagement. So that's the coach, the coachee and then their line manager and or HR. So we're very much focused in that three way around what is the work we're doing, you know, what is the the, the goals, how we know if we've been successful, all those sorts of things. And ideally again you'd have a midpoint check in and then at the end 
you repeat the same process. So, you know, how have we done? Have we achieved what we set out to achieve, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes that doesn't exist for various reasons. So that might mean that we are just having that conversation with the client. And there's pros and cons to that, which I'm not going to go into now because I think we've done that in another episode. But so maybe you get less of the the organizational perspective there around the return on the investment. And it's maybe more about the client and what they are taking away from the relationship. But the thing that, that struck me when I read the article that you have submitted is particularly with longer term coaching engagements, the relationship that's created between the coach and the coachee is, is a personal one. It can be quite a deep one. And actually bringing that to a close is not always straightforward, I think, because, because of what's been shared and because of the relationship that has been established. Yes. And so one of the things that came up in the discussions was like, when do you signal like we're going to be ending? Mm. So when do we start talking about the ending? I mean, the, the obvious thing as well was the last session we're ending. But no, actually, we start talking about the ending three quarters of the way through or two thirds of the way through because that allows us to start thinking about, well, also what's the relationship we want to have? This is something that, is dealt with a lot in therapy. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that um, the BPS expect from from people qualifying in therapy because there's a real difference in the power dynamic. Mm. And so you can't, the idea is you can't really be friends afterwards mm. because you've finished this really quite intense relationship. Um, you can pick up that relationship again professionally, but you're not going to be mates. No, and that for me brings up a whole load of stuff around sort of ethics and boundaries. But I mean, to your to your point there about when do we start talking about endings? I mean, although I might not specifically use this language, pretty much in every session I'm thinking about or, or asking the client, you know, what is the work we need to do together today? How will we know if we've been successful? And kind of exploring that at the end of the session. And then, so we're kind of always being quite focused on the goals and the kind of the, the outcomes we're trying to achieve overall, kind of the overall arc of our work together, if you like. But I would definitely, by the midpoint, be saying, right, this is what we set out to achieve. Where are we on this? And actually, where do we now need to go? So again, although we're not starting to talk about ending, we're sort of giving the signal that this is time bound. You know, there is a container around this relationship. It's not going to go on forever because we're here to do a specific piece of work. So in many ways, I think the point about the ending almost needs to be there, even if it's not explicit, it's almost implicit throughout the relationship. Yeah, it's, it's this, I, I do think there is a, it brings a different aspect because when you're contracting at the beginning, you know, there's lots of stuff about the beginnings. But I started playing with in individual sessions, just saying, well, how would you like to end this session? Mm. What would it be like for you? when you end this session, if we had the best session, which is can surface stuff about the relationship, about how people are being, not just the the goal-centric side of things. Mm. So I think one of the things I picked up from the, the, so one of the authors is also trained as a therapist. Mm, Yes, I saw that. So one of the things that therapists do is they do signal, they, they start talking about the ending before the ending. Mm. And there is allows the contract and the container to to shift. You know, mm. this, this container is going to be closed off. Um, and I think we might unconsciously do it in terms of 
there's a celebration that we're ending. There's a sadness that we're ending. But there's also this thing about how are you going to continue your learning journey and your development journey without me being there? Mm. You know, I think that's the thing we do sort of quite naturally, but it's much more conscious in the therapeutic world. Mm. And I think that's something that us coaches could learn because we talk about it, but we don't talk much about it. So that's that's why I really just wanted to highlight. Yeah, and I think that um, actually giving enough time to ending well is something that I've been thinking about because, you know, to say a contract for six or eight sessions and actually I've got a final session with a client this Friday, the end of this week, and it's really making me think about how how we approach that because actually, ideally by the end of the session, the end of the end of the coaching program, you don't necessarily want to be doing an awful lot of work at that point. It's probably going to be more of a, a wrapping up and a reviewing and a and a where do we go next to your point about well how do I how do I take things forward now that I'm no longer engaging with you as a coach. But actually um when I was thinking about this systemically as well, sort of thinking about the work that John Whittington writes about in his systemic um books, where he talks about endings needing to be attended to with as much care and focus as beginnings. And there was some some writing that I, of his that I read where he was talking about pausing and noticing what we've received and also what we've gained. Because actually, as a coach, I would have gained a lot from working with this individual. And being able to kind of create the space to share that, reflect that, acknowledge it and appreciate it, I think is really quite powerful because it's a two-way co-creative relationship. Yeah, I the thing that I learned is very early on in my career, I started working with an associate company and they had a process of doing this this review process at the end, really to capture business benefits as well as anything else. And I used to try and squeeze that in at the end because it was getting in the way of time for coaching. Mm. And I quickly learned that the clients really get a lot of benefit out of it. Mm. And so that, that whole thing is really celebrating the ending Clients love to do the review piece because they learn loads out of doing the review of the journey and helps them frame where they go from here. So, yeah, absolutely making it, giving it the time. Mm. And I think that's the whole highlight of this is give it the time and the attention that it should have because currently it doesn't get much attention. That, that's what the, the general opinion was. Just just building on that point, the thought that's coming to my mind is, you know, when I do a three-way, if I'm doing a two-hour coaching session, it might be the first half an hour of that two-hour coaching session is devoted to the three-way, which then leaves us with 90 minutes for the coaching. In many ways, you could apply the same to the end session. So actually, let's, you know, maybe we'll do 90 minutes of coaching work, whatever it is we need to finish on, and then let's keep half an hour to actually then just finish and wrap wrap this relationship up. Yeah, or you do a wrap-up with the client and then you do a separate wrap-up with the, with the three-way. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's different different things you can do. So didn't want to make this a, a, a huge podcast. We just wanted to do a quick quick highlight. But as always, we try to end with uh, with three tips. Um, what do you think our three tips will do? Well, I think, and we've already said this, but I think really starting with the end in mind, so being very clear right from the beginning about you know, what is the contract for the work that we're doing and actually how will we know when we're ready to finish? So just being really clear that we'll know when we're ready to finish when X, Y, Z is achieved or is clear, is clarified or whatever it might be. Yeah. So my second tip would be clear for yourself as a coach at, at what point and in what ways do you start to discuss the ending of the engagement with the client? Mm. 
and then I think the, the the point that was raised in the article, which is quite interesting, is about the ongoing relationship with the client when the coaching has finished. And I mean, we've only touched on this very briefly here, but for me personally, the professional ethics and boundaries are really important because the relationship has been set up in quite an intentional way. So for me to kind of cross over from that into being a friend would be kind of crossing a professional boundary. Having said that, there is so much that we invest in those relationships, both, you know, both the client and us as a coach. What I love to do is to keep in touch with clients and so hear how they're doing, whether that's, you know, promotions or or transitions or career changes. And some even come back to me for further coaching. But for me, there's something really important about that professional boundary. So I think it's just, it's a, it's a question for coaches to be thinking about, you know, what is the relationship that they want to have with their client after the coaching has finished? Yeah, this has been a big learning for me because you know, I started my coaching journey over 20 years ago. And it's only relatively recently that I've got really clear in my own mind the relationship I want to have with, with the coachy post-coaching. Because it wasn't part of my training. Um, mm. So I think that's what, you know, one of the things behind the article. So yeah, those would be our three tips. I hope people have enjoyed this quick episode. So thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. We appreciate any feedback. And you know, we like to respond to any questions that there are out there. Um, so please email us on info at thecoachingquestion.com. There are some details in the show notes for this episode. And uh, please do give us a rating on iTunes because that just helps us spread the word to a wider audience. And uh, so our next episodes will come out later in the year when we launch season four. See you soon. Bye. Bye.